We have been singing of the goodness of God. Now I want you to turn with me in your scriptures. We're going to the book of Exodus, where we read something of the goodness of God to God's ancient people. I trust you have a copy of the scriptures that you could refer to. Exodus chapter 16, and I'm breaking into that chapter at verse 9 and reading down into verse 31. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 9. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an homer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an homer, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could, but when the sun grew hot it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. In verse 35, it just simply says, And the people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years. May God be pleased to bless to us this portion of his word this morning. As we come to prayer this morning, I'm going to read an old Puritan prayer and then invite you to join with me as we say together the Lord's Prayer. That will be projected on the screen for you. But join with me, please, in the attitude of prayer. It's a prayer for the Lord's day. O Lord, my Lord, this is thy day, the heavenly ordinance of rest, the open door of worship, the record of Jesus' resurrection, the seal of the Sabbath to come, the day when saints, militant and triumphant, unite in endless song. I bless thee for the throne of grace that here free favor reigns, that open access to it through the blood of Jesus, that the veil is torn aside and I can enter the holiest and find thee ready to hear waiting to be gracious, inviting me to pour out my needs, encouraging my desires, promising to give more than I ask or think. But while I bless thee, shame and confusion are mine. I remember my past misuse of sacred things, my irreverent worship, my base ingratitude, my cold, dull prayers. Sprinkle all my past Sabbaths with the cleansing blood of Jesus. 
and may this day witness deep improvement in me. Give me in rich abundance the blessings the Lord's day was designed to impart. May my heart be fast bound against worldly thoughts or cares. Flood my mind with peace beyond understanding. May my meditations be sweet, my acts of worship, life, liberty, joy. My drink, the streams that flow from thy throne. My food, the precious word. My defense, the shield of faith. And may my heart be more knit to Jesus. And so join with me, please, as we pray together this Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This morning we return to our consideration of this prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. And we have, over past weeks, been considering the petitions that are related to our Father who is in heaven. Those three petitions which express the disciples' desire for the exaltation of our God and Father. Those three petitions that you find here as the prayer begins that it is our desire, our design, our prayer, that our Father's name be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, and that his will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. But now the, the prayer moves from this, this theme, this anthem, this focus upon the Father's preeminence, and we come now to his family's dependence. To those words, verse 12, forgive us. In verse 13, lead us, deliver us. And the words before us this morning that you find in the sixth chapter of Matthew in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. What's contained within this petition? Well, my, my three major points this morning are simply these, that here we see something of our dependence upon our Father, something of our intimacy with our Father, and thus 
something of our sufficiency from our Father. Our dependency upon our Father. You see, by employing these words, give us this day our daily bread. By employing these words, we're acknowledging that our Heavenly Father is the source of all that we need. We say to him, give us. Give us what we need spiritually. Give to us what we need materially. Give us what we need physically. But the truth is, the gospel of God is not simply concerned with the salvation of man's soul, but the salvation of the, the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Hence, the Christian's great hope is not simply to go to heaven, the, the intermediate state, but our ultimate hope and glory is the new heavens and the new earth where we shall have a new body in which we shall be able to enjoy and glorify God forever. Give us is therefore the evidence of our faith as we look up to the one who is our, our savior, who is our sustainer and our sovereign. Now, give as expressed in our prayer, is inseparably joined and indeed arises from our Heavenly Father's readiness and willingness to give to us what we ask of Him. And this, this knowledge that we have of our Father's willingness and readiness and, yea, ability to give to us, provides the very platform for our prayers. But don't forget that it is God's own Son who is saying to us, pray then like this. Because the Father whom the Son is revealing is gracious generous and giving. He withholds no good thing. So these introductory words to this petition, give us, indicates at least three things to us. And the first of which is this. Surely it highlights to us and points to the fact of our poverty that here we are before our Heavenly Father confessing our need. We're giving voice to the fact that without Him, we have nothing. And without Him, we can do nothing. That in the words of the old Puritan Thomas Watson, He is the donor of all our blessings. So here we start off with this, this acknowledgement, this confession of need, because we are a people marked by poverty. 
But then it also directs us, it also indicates to us something of our Father's bounty. God's bounty and all-sufficiency. The riches of his grace. Those things that Paul writes about in Romans 11.33. And that is he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3.16. Where he points us to those glorious riches that are ours in Christ Jesus that he is able to supply all of our needs and he will do so freely and he will do so abundantly. You know, to put it very simply and rather crudely, we can never ask for our daily bread or we can always ask rather for our daily bread because we know that heaven's bakery never runs short. There's always bread enough for us. And as the manna therefore came consistently for 40 years, and as the widow of Zarephath's jar of flour was not spent, nor her jug of oil empty, so the Lord's sufficiency for us, day by day, is an abundant sufficiency. He will give to us more than we will ask, think, or even imagine. Give us. Indicates our poverty. Indicates his bounty. But also draws attention to his glory. His glory. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, strange as it may sound to us. But biblically, we exalt God by being served by Him. We glorify God by being served by Him. And thus, you see, there is a, a very close connection between this fourth petition to the very first petition, the primary petition within this prayer. For our heavenly Father's name is hallowed as he ministers to us, his people, as he serves us. And this, of course, was illustrated in the life of Jesus. Because he came not to be served, but to serve. And the, the rude fact is, and the basic fact is, we can never serve to meet his needs. For he has no needs. The triune God is absolutely perfect and absolutely sufficient and has no need. He does not need us. But he graciously comes to us and makes himself known to us in order that he might serve us and by that be glorified by the demonstration of the riches of his grace. Listen to the words of Isaiah 64 and verse 4. From of old, 
no one has heard or perceived by ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait on him. This is our God, beloved. He works for us. He acts for those who wait on him. You see, God is not looking for people to work for him, but for people who will let him work mightily in and through them. Listen to how Peter puts it. I'm referring to 1 Peter 4.11. Whoever serves must do it as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. In other words, my friends, it is our dependency upon God that glorifies him. So it's not our, our giving to God that glorifies him. It's our getting from him. Or to clarify that, someone has put it out, or put out, God will gladly receive anything from us that shows our dependency upon him and highlights his all-sufficiency. See, what can we give to God? Well, there are some things we can give to God. We can give to him our sin. We can give to him our anxieties. We can give to him our fears. We can give to him our cares. We can give to him all our troubles. Everything, everything that shows our dependency upon him and his all-sufficiency. At prayer meeting on last Tuesday morning, I, I drew attention to a paper by Pastor John Piper. Let me quote Piper again. He says, The difference between Uncle Sam and Jesus Christ is that Uncle Sam won't enlist you in his service unless you are healthy. And Jesus won't enlist you or enlist you unless you are sick. The gospel is not for the pure and the healthy. It's for the loser. It's for the failed and the failing. It is for the fallen and the falling. The gospel is about the glory of God. So we, in our need, we come to our Heavenly Father and we ask of Him, give us this day our daily bread. Because Jesus came to serve and He came to give. He gave Himself to that old rugged cross, because God is a serving God. Our dependency upon him, which brings the Father glory. But then, 
I draw out from this petition something about our intimacy with the Father. Not only our dependency upon the Father, but our intimacy with the Father. Because you notice, our, our dependency upon the Father develops intimacy with the Father. Because what, what does the petition say to us? Well, give us this day our daily bread. This day. In other words, our coming to him, what Jesus is teaching us here, that in coming to him, we are to come day by day by day by day. You see, the Father is not like us. I think I'm pretty sure for most of us, we go to the shops, we go to the supermarket, we stuff things in the trolley that will keep us going for the next few days, if not the next week, and we take it home and we stick it in our fridge and freezer. We don't have to go to the shops every day. But with our Father in heaven, we are on daily rationing. Like Israel of old, the daily supply of manna. And why is that? Is God not able to give us enough for a week's supply? Does he not have the ability to give us sufficient to keep us going for a week or a month at a time? Oh, no, beloved, our Heavenly Father desires our fellowship. You see, what lies behind these words, give us? The gracious fact of our acceptance by the Father. That he, by his Son, Jesus Christ, has opened heaven's door for us. So that we, the likes of ourselves, we may be able to come to him. We may be able to approach the throne of grace and boldly say to him, Give me. Give that through Christ giving of himself, the Father now gives to us. That through Christ's sacrifice and the atoning power of his blood, that we, though sinners, are cleansed and forgiven and accepted, we can come joyfully, we can come confidently, we can come to a Father who loves us and delights to supply his people's needs. So behind the words of the fourth petition, as with every petition, there is God's work of grace and words of love and welcome and invitation. He accepts us in his Son, and so he teaches us to ask, because asking is the rule of of the kingdom. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. And so why dearly? Why are we go to him day after day after day? 
Dr. A.B. Simpson illustrated the point this way. Uh, Simpson, I think, was the, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, a great church planting and missionary organization in the world. Uh, Simpson said this. He said that many of us tend to think that God as our Father gives us the great gift of grace in one lump sum and that having received it, we just go on living on it. But he says, it's not like that. That would be very dangerous for us. If God just gave us all in one lump sum, we would be in danger of enjoying the gift and forgetting about the giver. It is, says Simpson, exactly as though a father put a great deposit for his son in the bank and the son can only receive a supply each time by writing a check. That's how our Heavenly Father deals with us. He does not withhold any good thing from us, but the rule of the Father's house is ask. Here there is saving grace. Here there is sanctifying grace. Here there is serving grace. Here there is sufficient grace. But we have to sign our checks and present them with the full knowledge that our Father doesn't give to us simply with his hand, but he gives to us out of his heart of love. So my Christian brother and sister, Every day, we're to have an appointment with the Father. We're to go to him in prayer with our longings, with our desires, with our needs. Uh, go to him and hear those words that Jesus said to blind Bartimaeus. Do you remember them? What do you want me to do for you? That's the response of the Father to us when we go to him. Good morning, Brian. What do you want me to do for you today? Is that the Father's question he's putting to you this morning? What do you want me to do for you? Or is it the word through James? You have not because you asked not. My friends, daily fellowship with God, daily time with God is absolutely vital to a life of sustained spirituality and godliness. We go to him, we get from him, we are satisfied. And when we are most satisfied, he is most glorified. He is most glorified. So we go daily for that appointment is the desire of the Father, for he longs to have fellowship with us. But in addition to that, 
Going daily develops our faith in our Father. For what builds our confidence in God, and thus what hallows his name, is seeing God answer our prayers and see him providing our every need. You know, as, as it was said to the children of Israel, getting their manna each day, God says, I want you to do this so that you will know that I am the Lord your God. Answered prayer develops and builds and strengthens our hope and our faith. For what was said of Abraham? He did not weaken in faith, nor did he waver in unbelief at God's promises, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able also to do. Dependency upon God develops our intimacy with God, and that is to be a daily discipline. Glorifying Him by our daily need of Him. Going to Him in prayer, asking, Give us this day our daily bread. Our dependency upon him, our intimacy with him. But then, what is this prayer focusing upon? Give us this day our daily bread. So what is this bread? Well, that leads me to my third and final point. Our sufficiency from our Father. Literally, in New Testament times, laborers were usually paid for the work they did that day for that day. They were paid daily. And therefore, that day's pay, which was rather meager, only enabled them to purchase the food that they needed for that day. And Jesus was well aware of this. And that's why he frames his prayer within these terms. Give us today our daily bread would have been fully understood by the disciples and those listening to him. It was, it was no empty rhetoric, but it was a recognition of a family's need. It was a literal necessity, and Jesus knew but that term bread can only also be taken and understood symbolically. Martin Luther interpreted as that whatever belongs to want and supply of life-giving items, and he spelt it out quite in detail. I won't give them all to you, but he, he, he understood this term bread as encompassing and embracing such things as meat, and drink, and clothes, and flocks, happy marriage, virtuous children, peaceful government, and so forth. The point being made, 
And one that we must acknowledge is this. There is nothing unspiritual about praying for food or for clothes or whatever else we may need to live our lives here in this world. And so we're to understand this, this term practically. That there is nothing too small, my friends. There is nothing too insignificant. There's nothing too ordinary that we cannot pray for. Don't spiritualize your spirituality. It's to deal with the ordinary things of life. Give us today our daily bread sums up our basic material needs and underlines God's fatherly care about our personal, practical, material issues. I've quoted already from 1 Peter 5, 7. But listen to them again. Because the Father invites us to cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Alistair Begg drew my attention to J.B. Phillips' uh, paraphrase edition of that text. Phillips puts it this way. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. So why don't you do that today? Why don't you do it daily? And why do you worry about tomorrow? Because don't we all? Why do we worry about tomorrow? When he will give us the bread that we need for tomorrow. He will give to us tomorrow the grace that we need for tomorrow. He will give to us the strength that we need for tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, what did Jesus say? Tomorrow will care for itself. You see, it may be that you've come into this place this morning to worship, but your mind, your heart is, is weighed down with the worries of this world the fears that confront you. you know, what, what's, what's going to happen to me if I lose my health? As, as I get older, who's, who's going to look after me? What's going to happen to my marriage because things are not looking so good? What's going on with this world? What's going to become of me? New young people here this morning. Fearful. Uncertain. All, all this talk about climate change, the, the situation with the environment, uh, uh, peer pressure, bullying at school, violence. Uh, how, how, can I, how can I cope in this world? Well, I want you to do something for me. Particularly young people. 
If you haven't got a Bible, and I don't mean an electronic version, I mean a, you know, a real Bible. I want you to get a, 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 you know, a, real, a real Bible. And I want you to go to Matthew 6.11 that we're speaking about this morning. And I want you to write beside it, I am God's personal concern. I am God's personal concern. Write it down. And then go to him with confidence and faith. Because you see, he, he knows all about your future. He knows all about your worries. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6 to tell, to tell us that he knows. The Father knows that you need these things. And he's talking about food and clothing and raiment and so forth. He says your Father already knows what you're worried about. He knows the feelings you have. He knows the fears you entertain. He knows you. Go to him and trust in him. Trust him to give you what you need. You know, when I was growing up, there was a, a, a TV program called Father Knows Best. And he really does. He really does. The Father knows best. So trust his wisdom. And learn to be content with the bread that he gives. And that's not an easy thing for us to do. For the fact is, sometimes we get whole meal when we've asked him for a white, soft loaf. But beloved, whatever the Father gives to you, it comes as his gift wrapped in his grace, personally chosen and designed for you. For each day the Father gives to us, he gives that will cause us to value and prize Christ more and more. And he will not withhold any, any good thing from us. What he gives each day is personal and is proper. Every day, we're to enjoy his fellowship. Every day, we're to experience his faithfulness. Every day, we're to encounter his fullness. Every day, we're to embrace the bread he so lovingly, tenderly, knowingly prepared for us and gives to us. A gift out of his grace for our good and for our glory. And so I'm going to finish with a song. I'm not going to sing it. Some of you may know it. I may, even, I may break out in songs, so forgive me if I do. But it's an old song. I only know old songs. It's an old Swedish song. Day by day, and with each passing moment, you know it? Strength I find to meet my trials here. 
trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best lovingly. It's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day, the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me, he whose name is counselor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he led. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then. In every tribulation. So to trust thy promises, O Lord. That I lose not faith's sweet consolation. Offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord. When toil and trouble meeting, ere to take, as from a father's hand, one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Let us pray together. May the God whose affections never cools, whose attention never wavers, whose arm never relaxes, whose grace never fails, whose promises are always kept, and whose supply is always perfect, bring us safely home with joy and gladness of heart, and to him be the glory forever. Amen.